0: Alright, welcome back to the Construction Management Podcast. I am your host, Damon Edwards, with my co-host, Jason Scheidt. Hey! <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Alright, guys, today we're going to talk about safety. It is super important. I think in our last podcast, Jason, we said everybody needs a little bit of a safety. A little bit on of safety, on the on the safety at all times. Time. Honestly, the truth is we need a lot of safety. There's no question about it. It is huge as a construction manager, part of your job, honestly, it's keeping everybody alive.
1: It is. It's a huge responsibility that we have. We're doing a lot of dangerous stuff day to day. Um, construction is statistically one of the more dangerous professions out there. Um, it's something that is is on all of our minds at all times.
0: Um, you, you know, it, it's funny you say it because it is super dangerous, and I forget sometimes. I know I stepped on a, a two by four years ago with a sixteen penny nail sticking on the bottom of it. It went so deep into my foot. I had to get some of the guys I work with literally on both ends of this two by four to yank it out oh, of the bottom of my foot.
1: That is terrible. It sounds like you weren't wearing the proper footwear. I was not. <laughs> I'm fairly certain
0: I was wearing some Nike <laughs> Nike steel toes or uh Nike uh running shoes. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you know, I'm a busy guy and I gotta get to I gotta get around.
1: That's what I'm all the guys it. with injuries that last the rest of their life said. Yeah. So. so, safety is a huge, important part of what we do here. Um, obviously, we talked last time uh, on the last show that there is, you know, a whole bunch of things that go into the general job site management. Job site management is a is a vast subject that we can talk about for eternity, but... Um, and, know, our, and plan to. And plan to. Yeah, until, until you guys can't take it anymore. <laughs> um, but, you know, safety is one of the main things here. You know, we, we talked about... Trash on the last episode. And, uh, you know, safety is up there with it. Um, at our company, we have, you know, our own internal safety department. Then you've got your local government that could be coming out. Um, OSHA, obviously. Um, there's lots of, lots of different aspects of this that we could talk about. I think OSHA
0: shut down, but the uh, government shut down right now. So we can do whatever we want on the job sites. So yeah, it's
1: like a free for all out there, man. Yeah, I wouldn't.
0: I wouldn't bank on that. I wore
1: flip flops today.
0: Uh, I didn't even wear <laughs> pants. <laughs> so, so we talked in, our, in some of our previous podcasts about the amazing guests
1: we're going to bring on. So we couldn't find any amazing guests, but we found <laughs> our guest. Uh, just kidding. We we have a uh, a special guest today. It is actually Jake Edwards, Damien's twin brother. Um, there's, a, there's a fun part about this. Jake and Damien sound very similar, so I'm going to introduce them now. Jake Edwards. Hello, everybody. Thanks for uh, letting me part of, be part
0: of this podcast today. <laughs> so, Jake, do you mind giving us just a quick background? Um, because every time I hear it, I feel a little smaller when I hear your background because your, your construction background is pretty vast. It's pretty impressive. This is the only time you'll ever hear me say this. <laughs> because I, I really, I hate it so much. I but feel if you can. I'm sorry, guys. I was going to say,
1: I feel the same way sitting next to Damien. So I guess you can go ABC here as far as accolades. <laughs> all right.
0: Well, um, I, I do appreciate you guys letting me be a part of this today. And I do. I've been uh, you know, in construction for about 24 years now. I started uh, in the Navy Seabees. So uh, when I was young, 20 years old, I started flying all over the world building stuff. Um, from there, I went into some residential construction and, uh, you know, I was under the impression that bigger was better. So I started working commercial. I've uh, worked on projects as big as 26-story twin tower buildings. I've done all kinds of work for the government. I've built hotels and restaurants and schools. Couldn't tell you how many apartments or houses I've built. I've done land development, taking, uh, you know, raw forest to uh, finished products didn't you build an underground parking garage that was automated i did not i was with a company uh, <laughs> <Good>. that uh, <laughs> that did build one it was only the second one in the united states it was a uh, amaz- it was down in dc it was an amazing project um ee e. reed was actually the general contractor we just oversaw their work um, good but it was like a gigantic vending machine for cars underground when amazing. you when you told me you were building that or when i thought you said you your guys just blocked it out of my mind completely i was like Shut, Shut up! I'll I'll never now. touch I, that. So <laughs> I did. I did build the largest underground stormwater filtration uh, system in the state of Maryland. Well, that's pretty cool. So yeah, that was kind of
1: neat. Protecting the Chesapeake Bay and yes, all the things. Filtering water, water before we started the Listen, listen. Bro.
0: That's a subject for the next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about <laughs> safety today. Yes. Um, so let, let's talk about safety because it's very important. And you know, before the podcast started, Jake, Jason, and I were actually sitting around talking about. sharing some of the stories um, that we've experienced in our careers. And there's a couple that that we want to share with you. And I'll I'll tell you the one, probably the most traumatic event that I ever saw on a job site. I was building apartments down in Fairfax and we were having a subcontractor meeting. So everybody on site, all the managers were all in the same room having a meeting. And uh, when one of the electrician helpers come bursting into the room, and told us that there had been an accident on the job site. And this was a massive sprawling apartment complex. It, 454 town, or, uh, apartments. So it took us a while. Once we realized what was going on, we all went running to this to this accident site. When we got there, what had happened was there was an 18-year-old kid who was moving 4 by 14 sheets of plywood or uh, drywall by himself. And he was pulling the stack away from the wall, breaking one piece free, letting the rest of the stack lean against the wall again, and then moving that one sheet. While he pulled them all away from the wall a little too hard, they all came crashing down on top of him and pinned him against the other wall on the other side of the the corridor by his throat. So he had a hundred, I don't know, a thousand pounds of drywall pressed against his throat. Obviously couldn't breathe, couldn't get the drywall off his body himself. You know, when we finally got there, some of the other workers had pulled the drywall off of him and was administering CPR. So we jumped in, you know, one of my buddies started doing CPR. We had another guy doing compressions, and I was trying to find his pulse. Well, you know, 911 was called, but because this, this project was so sprawling, it took 911 an additional 30 minutes just to find us after the call was made and after we found this this young kid's body you know needless to say he was deceased as we were applying CPR but you can't stop you know you yeah. cannot stop because you never know um and I swore at that point they you know they came they took him away and I swore I am done with this industry I'm out of here I'm never coming back you know I went home you know long story short next day I showed up on the job site and i <laughs> I've been in this industry ever since you but it that- was it was horrible and preventable.
1: I, I, I got to say, I, I haven't had something tragic like that. I feel like I feel like I should knock on wood a bit. Um, but to hear that is obviously chilling. I mean, it does. It kind of chills me up a little bit just to hear you say it. I've heard you tell that story before. And, and really what our goal here is to spread a little bit of knowledge about what to do and how to act. And more importantly, how to prevent these things from happening in the first place. For sure. For so I'm sure. sure, Jake, I'm sure you probably have a number of stories being that you built like most of the world, according to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if anything above ground that you had that you could use here. Well, to talk you know,
0: about... if you're, when you're in the industry long enough, you're going to have tragedy on a job site. Um, there's been multiple occasions where I've had lots of life on a job site. Um, and I, you know, safety's not always because you were careless. You know, sometimes accidents occur because other people are careless in their work. Um, I actually had a. I uh, I was working on a high rise down in DC. It was the, um, uh, the Roosevelt, we were converting it and we had an HVAC guy who was up putting a fan in a box while well, the electricians had gone before them. And this box was up in the penthouse. So it was about 12 feet in the air. The electrician went up there to put an outlet in there so that he could plug his fan into it Well, he accidentally energized the entire box. So when the HVAC tech got up there to install the fan, his forearm just brushed against this energized tin box. And it literally, because of the vibration of the electrocution he was getting, it sawed the meat off of his forearm. And then when that that finally um, subsided, he fell off the 12-foot ladder. So it literally looked like a massacre had taken place inside that penthouse. And when I say penthouse, it was an elevator
1: control room. And we're talking about something that very easily could have been prevented. Absolutely. It was
0: one person's carelessness, the electrician had a hot wire touching the box that affected someone else in a totally different trade. Who wasn't being unsafe. Who wasn't being unsafe. He was doing everything right. Mm. So safety, you know, it's hard to prove a negative. And, you know, a lot of guys on job sites don't want to be bothered with safety because they say it slows down productivity. That's absolutely not true. Um, there was a job in Frederick, Maryland, we were working on and we insisted that the framers build handrails around every floor as they were going up. They were going four stories up. Well, the framing foreman insisted and the framing company insisted that it was going to slow them down it was going to be too costly and they didn't want to do it well i put their feet to the fire and i forced them to do it so a week later i went to the actual framers that were working on the building and they told me that they were working so much faster because at that point they weren't scared to be close to the leading edge um, because we had those guardrails up there it actually increased our productivity well that's i mean that's an OSHA requirement it, it is today yeah. it wasn't then Oh, I forgot, I forgot you been at this since uh, yeah, it was really you and bad.
1: Jesus on the job. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, you know, in, in looking at the OSHA site here, I mean, we've talked about this. If you've ever been through a 10-hour class or sat through a safety training of any kind, you know, you've heard the construction's fatal four. Okay. The the four things in our industry that cause deaths. Um in this order: falls, struck bys, electrocutions, and caught in betweens. So we're talking about falling. Obviously, is the number one thing. And in residential, I mean, that's that's the key thing that you're looking for. You can see a fall hazard from your car or from your truck. You can see it while you're in the job, look in a house, looking out the window at at the other homes under construction. Um, and that's an easy one for an inspector to see too because you can see that from two streets over especially Absolutely. when they're three stories in the air um struck bys obviously we're talking about swinging things falling objects that sort of thing um electrocutions obviously is one um, can you turn that up please the sound there don't that you're doing, all. okay? Because we, because we I'm only asked you yes. five yes. times. It's here. on mute. I don't know. I'm just amateurs. Jason, I know. Dealing I with know. Amateurs. I build <laughs> stuff. I don't. I'm not it's an. It's a good guy. thing that computer doesn't shock him, folks. <laughs> it um, might become a struck by. <laughs> 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 um, and, then, and then, of course, caught in betweens. I mean, we're talking about vehicles driving, uh, heavy equipment. Uh, when we're talking about dumpsters. Um, I mean there's there's a whole bunch of different reasons. I mean I guess you could really put kind of cave-ins, mm-hmm. ditch safety in that caught in caught in between category 2, right? You, you know, when when you talk about the the fatal four, I always like to I, I kind of like to call it the fatal five because
0: overconfidence is a killer as well. Ooh, yeah. I I know this is a construction um podcast, but one of the things that I I did when I was in the CBs was there was a airline that hit the island of Guam while we were there. Uh, so we were rousted out of bed in the middle of the night to go and basically clean it up because no one survived. Um, well, a little girl survived for about 24 hours and then passed away. But the cause of that airline crash was overconfidence by the pilot. He actually was so confident in his skills, he turned his computer off, his navigation computer off, when he approached the airport. And as a result, he clipped the top of the mountain and he killed about 400 and some people. Oh, yeah. So... You know, overconfidence is also a killer. But, you know, you see that all the time on the job site. All like the you time. You see idiots sitting in a, the bucket of a bobcat, mm-hmm. bouncing their way down the street because yep. they think nothing can hurt them. I had one guy on a job site had his, like, six-year-old son on the top of his truck right. driving down the street. Like, it was take your son to work day and kill him. We, you know, a, a lot of the issues that we deal with in the United States these days is we have a lot of workers that come from other countries. And anybody that's traveled outside the United States, you can see that, you know, the the OSHA regulations and the, and the emphasis that we put on safety that's, that's culturally ingrained into our profession in this country is not reciprocated in other countries. So you get a lot of the influx of workers from other countries, whether it's South America or Europe or, or wherever, where they just don't have the mentality that we have to be safe. You know, it's not ingrained. It's not taught to them at a young age when they get into the industry. So that's a, a fight that um, you have to go and deal with. So why don't we talk about? So we have talked about you know some horrible things that have happened on the job site, but let's say OSHA shows up on our job site, right? We need to know we need to know what to do as soon as they get there. And there's a you know the first thing you need to do is check with your your company's risk management professionals, whoever they might be, and ask them, hey, do we have a policy for what happens if OSHA shows up on the job site? Because inevitably, if you stay in this career long enough, OSHA is going to show up on your job site. Somebody's going to fall off a roof. So there's going to be some trigger. An OSHA inspector is going to be driving by your job site. He's going to see something unsafe. He's going to turn his car around. He's going to come in. He's going to start looking around. Um, or there's going to be some incident that actually causes the visit. Um, so we need to know what to do. So there's a couple of steps you know, that everybody should take when OSHA shows up on the job site. The very first one is somebody shows up on your job site and says, Hey, I'm an OSHA professional, I'm an OSHA inspector or whatever. Ask him to prove it. Ask him for his photo ID. Nicely, they, they nicely, very nicely, because <laughs> they all they all carry ID. They all carry photo ID, and they need to prove it. And they know that that's probably the first thing they'll do is show you their ID. But if they don't, you need to you need to make sure that they're actually legit and actually from OSHA. Um, you need, next thing you need to do is figure out why they're there, because. You know, I worked on a a job right next to Route 66, Super Busy Highway in Virginia, and everything we did was was 100% visible to the highway. Um, And we had OSHA inspectors stopping all the time, and it was the same thing every time. I'd say, you know, welcome back to whoever it was, and I'd say, what brings you here today? And they would say, your masons are being unsafe, there's a fall hazard on the side of this project. And nine times out of ten they were right we would walk around the corner and there would be the Masons doing something unsafe no kick plates no handrails you know throwing bricks up and down the scaffold whatever um, so after you've determined what the what the reason is you need to contact your manager immediately whoever you report to whether it's your VP your president you know the site superintendent whoever you report to you need to let them know that OSHA is there and what the incident is.
1: Or, or maybe you run your own business. Maybe this this whole – maybe you don't have a company with a department that backs you. If that's the case, you're the guy. You're the one who has to make sure that your guys are safe and that they've got the necessary you know, protocol, what to do in case of an incident, and that you're giving the safety training. Because what we're going to talk about here in a little bit is how if you're not – proving your safety on a regular basis and then there's an incident and we talked about this on our, a couple of shows ago if you if everything's going fine it's like oh, if you're not really doing what you're supposed to nobody even really notices but then you have an incident and they want to know what you've been doing prove it for the last six months Amen. so if you can if, if you can figure out what your protocol should be through your company, or through if you're a if you're a contractor, through the company that you're working for, so that you know clearly what the guidelines are, you can prevent yourself from having that subsequent punishment.
0: And there will be subsequent punishment. Mark <laughs> <laughs> my words. You know, it's um, it's it's really helpful that you all are going through um, what to do when an OSHA inspector rolls onto the job site. Uh, one thing that you should always keep in mind if you're listening to this podcast. There's a there's a big myth out there that that OSHA is self-funded and therefore they're out just to make money for themselves and that they're not really there to help you and that couldn't be farther from the truth. The guys at OSHA and women at OSHA are, are dedicated professionals. Their job is to keep people safe. So when they come out to your job site, it's not it's not as punishment and it's not to generate income for their bureaucracy. It's it's truly to work as a partnership with the trades with the builders. To keep people from dying on job sites. Um, so anytime you hear somebody say, well, OSHA is a self-funded organization, which is technically true, just remind them that their job is to keep you alive. It's not to generate income. Nobody nobody at OSHA is retiring rich because of the fines that they levy. And anybody who's ever been to an OSHA conference will know that they're the first ones to reduce those fines for any any bit of evidence that you can show them that you are proactively trying to be safe on a job site, they will either reduce or get rid of those fines completely. That's for sure. Because they're not there to harm businesses. They're there to help and be partners with. So, okay, so OSHA shows up. We verified that they are in fact with OSHA. We verified what they're there for. Uh, you've contacted your manager or whoever you need to contact. Next thing, you need to go with them. When they go inspect, you need to go with them. First of all, you need to be respectful to them, first and foremost. Um, because there is a lot of power that comes along with being an ocean inspector, there's no question about it. Um, but you need to go with them. If they take a photo of something, you take a photo of it. If they make a note about something, you need to take a note about something. You know, whatever that may be, you need to make sure that you have as much information. I don't want to say evidence, but as much information as they have during that inspection, so that when it's over, um, you you know you have the ability to formulate a proper report to whoever you have to report that to, even if it's just your lawyer, because like Jason was saying, you're self-employed, um, but you need to have all the information that OSHA has. There shouldn't be any surprises um, so that when it's over and it comes time to talk about citations or talk about what the ramifications of the violation are or is you have the ability to say, well, this; these are the facts and you're not basing it on... I think, or maybe this happened, or Spoken. as I re- recall, you've got photo evidence, you've got notes that you took right then and there, because your memory will fade. Um, you know, as a as a construction manager, though, the idea, the the goal, is to not even get to the point where OSHA's on your job.
1: Prevention. Prevention.
0: That that is the key, right? Um, but accidents do happen. So we talked about what happens when OSHA shows up. Now let's talk about OSHA's not there, and we have an accident on the job site. Jason, what's the first thing we do?
1: The first thing we do is notify our supervisor before we do anything. Um, if you're a construction guy, you're an assistant construction manager, or you work for one of our trade partners, you definitely have to let people know um, so that we can focus on, uh, you know, contacting the right people and keeping them aware. Um, Damien's pointing at this card here and saying that I should be securing the accident scene. To make sure that there's no more danger. <laughs> well, of course, I think that that's kind of a given, though. Like, I don't think so. If a guy files, <laughs> fa- falls in like a... Like a fiery pit of nails, we should probably like secure that. No. First
0: of all, if you have a fiery pit of nails on your job site, you should call me because I want to see that. I want to be involved on in that job site. Now,
1: the couple of steps that we've got here um, on our accident investigation uh, uh, report is to secure the accident scene, do not alter the site, install a barrier if there's something unsafe that's caused an accident, and take photos as soon as possible.
0: For Document sure. it. For sure. But yeah, number one, you got to make sure that the hazard is, is secure, that nobody else is going to get hurt by whatever it is. Nine times out of ten, it takes care of itself. It's a guy on a ladder. It's a guy with a nail gun. He shoots himself. The ladder falls over. The job site's secure
1: again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot of times. So so when I was young in the industry, I was standing next to a man lift. It was, uh, you know basically an exoskeleton elevator on the side of a building. I was getting ready to go up to one of the floors to do whatever, inspect something, yell at somebody. I don't know what I was doing. But um, there was masons working above us, right? We had two different sets of masons. We had guys in, uh, refinishing brick. It was a historic renovation. And we had guys uh, tapping concrete off balconies, checking the rebar underneath because we are going to report balconies back new with new rails. So um, maybe a foot from me is this huge crash uh, from brick. Almost could have killed me. I mean, it came from the eighth story. It could have killed me. Um, Had it hit me and no one was around to know or hear me screaming bloody murder and all kinds of expletives about their mother. um, (laughs) And if I was just laying there on the ground and the mason above didn't know what he had done, somebody could have walked up on that scene and just assumed there was no danger. And while he was helping me, maybe that person got hit by another break. So it it is important to, to... secure the scene because you don't know. Nine times out of ten, you don't know if somebody's laying on the ground because they had a heart attack or they got hit in the head with a brick. Especially on a construction site, if it's not the cleanest site, there's debris around anyway. So you don't know if something fell or if it's just been laying there. Well, fortunately, for our listeners, we just did a podcast on trash, so there are no more dirty job sites. Yeah, there's there.
1: no dirty job sites out there. Now. Oh, well, <laughs> you
0: guys... It. That's amazing. You guys have uh, solved the oldest problem in construction. Well, no, that's, <laughs> that's a good point, though. You know, when you're in the... You know, when you're securing the, the accident site, you know, that's why you do it, to make sure whatever incident you walked
1: up on is is secure. So, uh, the second step here in gathering the information. Now that you've secured the scene, know what's going on, we're not having any, any additional damage um, or additional injuries, you're going to collect all the facts. You want to determine what the direct cause is. Um, you want to... You want to go back and look at what the root cause of that problem is. Um, And then obviously the last step would be to analyze it and to uh, figure out how to uh, prevent it from happening in the future. For sure. So,
0: you know, as professionals, and I I tell people this all the time, um, especially when I'm training them. Being a diligent safety officer for your company is not... Rude, you know, and it's it's funny because you'll never be thanked for that accident you prevented because nobody will ever know that you prevented that accident. Sure. But it, it's when you don't take the extra step and you aren't diligent and accidents happen that you will never forget the accident that was caused. So it's really a thankless job sometimes, but it is so critical because accidents on the job site don't just affect the job. They don't just affect the individuals that get hurt, but it's their families. It's, you know, there are so many man hours involved with every accident on a job site. I mean, I don't even think we could begin to calculate, you know, the, the cost because it's not just financial. It's also emotional. You know, a lot of times if there's a guy on the job site and he gets hurt and he's the breadwinner for that family, that whole family suffers. Especially when it's something, you know, if we're walking by and we see something and we say, hey, you know, put your hard hat on. We walk away, we come back, the guy still hasn't done it. It's real easy just to keep walking, but it's the diligent, it's the the professional that stops again and says, "I told you to put that hard hat on," and you know sometimes you got to throw guys off the job site for not being safe. And you know if you um, if you want to think about the ramifications of of having a safe site or having somebody get hurt on the job site, put yourself in the shoes of the person at your company that has to call the family. Of someone who has died on your job site. Yeah. Imagine having to make gone. that phone call uh, to tell someone that their son or father or sister or mother or whatever the case may be won't be coming home that night. All they did was leave for work. They're a mason. They're a framer. You don't expect them to to leave for work and never come home. So if you have to make that phone call or write that letter, yeah. is it something it's you will life never changing? Forget? I'm sure it's, it's life like- changing. So you know it, it, that reminds me of another story. So I had a you. Uh, I had a guy. We were building uh, forty five hundred square foot townhomes, four stories, two monster townhomes, and uh, that's Jake's computer run
1: off again. Yeah, everyone, it, that's it's, Jake's computer. It's, Jake Edwards. <laughs>
0: it says it's on mute. It's not. Um, <laughs> anyway, we'll edit it out. We won't because we, we don't know how. <laughs> anyway, so I'm building these townhouses, and we had a we had to put a shaft liner in the, in the elevator shaft, and we had a kid, another eighteen year old kid, four flights up inside the shaft. And he had nailed a 2x4 to the wall of the shaft, and he had one 16-penny nail on either side of the 2x4. You don't need to know a whole lot about physics or anything to know that two nails are not going to hold up a 200-pound boy at that point. He's 18. Anyway, let alone the weight of the sheetrock, because what he was doing was heaving sheets of sheetrock up above him so that the guy on a ladder above him could screw the the sheetrock into the the, uh, shaft. Well, obviously, both the nails sheared because there's no shear strength in a 16-penny nail. Heads came off, and he fell four flights, landed on his heels, broke both his heels and his ankles, fell backwards, busted his skull open on the concrete. Dang. 18 years old, crippled, gone. Never saw him again. I went into that same house. You know, she came out, of course, did their inspection. You know, we filed everything. He wasn't dead, thank God, which would have been, uh, which could have easily have, have happened. Uh, but he was crippled at 18. So about a month later, I go into another home, all the way up to the fourth floor, and again, there's a kid on a two by four inside the elevator shaft. Yeah. Jake, you talked about expletives the other day, or just a few minutes ago, when that, when that masonry. Fell next to you, boy. I must burn that house down with my voice. I was so hot.
1: Well, that's 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 a good segue to talk about what I was thinking while you guys were speaking here. It, it's easy, like we put it in here, is is one of the things that you do to, to conduct yourself when a notion inspector comes out. Um, and and one of the things that we say is be polite because it is super easy to be defensive when you're being inspected for any reason. We all know what that's like. Mm-hmm. okay and if you're a manager of construction you're responsible for any level of safety and you've corrected anyone you know the general disdain for being corrected all right nobody likes it they always look at you like you're a jerk i can't tell you how many times i have hollered up on a roof it's
0: morning,
1: bound to happen it's bound to happen and trust me i've done some things to to bring that on myself but I don't think that forcing people to use the safety protocol that's required should be one of those things. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of roofers out there who probably know the, the bald gringo who told them that they had to put on a five-point harness or he, had to, or he had to put on a, uh, a rear-mounted harness and mm-hmm. actually you know, tie himself off properly and use it the way it's supposed to be used, tied off correctly to the top of the roof. And they're mad at you for it, for saving their life. You know, I don't potentially like you said, you don't you don't get credit for the ones that you save no, you, right. you no. only get punished for the for the things that you lose, so yeah yep.
0: so so guys, when you're out there, be diligent, it's your job, be diligent, you'll never know how many lives you save by by being diligent yeah, you'd you
1: be a nice guy there. tomorrow,
0: yeah, <laughs> be a nice guy somewhere else, not on the job site, yeah, you know and and with safety, it's not just you know it's not the kid that's not supported properly in the elevator shaft or the guy riding in the bucket, you know, it it goes back to tools and their uses, you know, tools have specific uses. I've, you know, I hate to say, but I've had guys die on the job site because they were using a two foot extension ladder incorrectly. Um, you know, it happens and they're called accidents, not on purposes. So, (laughs) you know, when you see somebody doing something that's using a tool in an unsafe manner, it doesn't matter what it is, a two foot extension ladder, a, uh, skill saw with the uh, guard taped back whatever you know they're called accidents for a reason nobody intends or most people don't intentionally plan on hurting themselves or someone else it just happens life's like that
1: i've heard both of you tell stories and in tragedy that started with a young person mm-hmm. in the workplace mm-hmm. and i think that speaks volumes about the leadership and maybe not just the construction manager on the job site. Actually, especially not the job, the construction manager because that guy can't see everything. So that 18-year-old guy who's standing on a 2x4 in an elevator shaft ought to have somebody with him sure. who should be correcting that. And that's the guy who needs to be talked to to prevent an injury and to make sure that they're following up on it.
0: You know, the best guys on the job site to talk about safety are the guys that are missing fingers. <laughs> because every job site has one. A guy's got, like, seven fingers where he should have ten. And, um, you know, that guy will tell you all day long, hey, don't lock the blade back on that skill saw." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, guys, definitely um, check your – you know, if you work for a corporation or a big company whatever, check with them. Find out what their policy is for safety, their chalk talks, responsible, you know, personnel – Really educate yourself. OSHA has a ton of courses on um, safety. If they got their OSHA, I what it is. It's been so long. Eight hour whatever. Yeah, there's 10. They have the OSHA at uh, 90. There's there's all kind of different levels of certification you know, that you can get. Push your employer to let you take one of these courses. A lot of times it's mandatory. You have to do it depending on the jurisdiction that you're working in. If not, there's a ton of information online about safety. Educate yourself. Educate the people that you're responsible for. Um... You will have a safer job site. You will Things will go better, I promise you. And if you can document that you've got that safety training, if she ever has to come out, at least you can say, you know what, I've done the training, and they'll go a little easier on you. Um, ordinarily, these podcasts are super-duper lighthearted. Today we're talking about kind of a, a, a more serious topic. Um, as soon as we get rid of Jake, we'll lighten up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but we really appreciate you listening to this podcast. We got a, a little bit of news. We will have a podcast or a... Uh, the construction management website will be launching soon. Uh, you can all leave a comment, encourage Jason to get that done. <laughs> um,
1: I guess that's my job, huh?
0: You know, subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment. Please leave a comment. I've gotten tons of comments from people. They've all been like, hey, man, I heard your podcast. It was great. I'm like, that's fantastic. Now go leave that comment so people that we don't know will know how great it is. Or
1: ask questions or highlight things that you'd like to hear about or any anything relating to what we're talking about. We'd love to get comments on it.
0: Definitely. As soon as Jason gets that website up, <laughs> you'll be able to go to info at Construction and actually send us an email, which would be fantastic. Um, Also, we desperately need a nerd to help us with this stuff. If you're a nerd. If you're nerdy enough, please reach out to us. (laughs) Awesome. All right, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe, like the podcast, and uh,
1: we will speak to you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks.